do you do it? But it just is done. Hello, and welcome to AU4H Radio's Real Talk. I'm your host, <laughs> and I'm here tonight with my two best friends, Lee Roberts and Lorian Smith. Hi, Lori. Hello, everybody. Hi, <laughs> Hi Susie Lee. <laughs> tonight, we're doing something a little bit different. We have our dear friend and co-host, Lori, in the hot seat. I hope that she's ready. We have a lot of questions to ask. <laughs> but first, we're going to go over a few comments. Um, everyone really likes the comment portion of the show. So I thought we could just share a few. Um, I'm loving the new format. Thank you, ladies, for being a voice for children. I wish you were there when I was a child. I was one of those kids no one spoke out for or about. I suffered in silence for years, and I, too, try to be a voice for children, but I'm not as brave as the three of you. Leroy, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you for standing up for children. Terry, North Carolina. Do you fear repercussions of speaking out on such a high platform? Child abuse, child rape, incest, and child killers are such a top, a controversial topic. Allendale, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Donna, I read an article about you last night in the newspaper. Do you think it is fitting that they still call you controversial after 15 years? And do you ever see that changing or are you changing to be likable, so to speak? Debbie, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And we also had a few about um, self-care. We have a lot of people asking if we're going to do any self-care shows. And a few of the comments were, each of you are beautiful women. Will you be doing shows oh. of beauty and self-care? Linda, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Lee, I love your short updo. Who is your stylist local in Crestview? Sharon, Crestview, Florida. Lori, your eyes sparkle. What eye care products and makeup products do you use? Lindsay, Calgary. Donna. Beautiful hair and skin. <laughs> Donna, beautiful hair and skin. What products do you use to keep looking so flawless? Carol, State College, Pennsylvania. That was sweet, Carol. Thank you. <laughs> and will you be doing shows on beauty products? Jennifer, South Beach. We actually are going to do more of like a Wellness Wednesday. I'm sure over time we will cover certain things. Um you know, so that people can see like some of the little secrets that we do or don't do. I don't think any of the three of us are real big on products or makeup. <laughs> We're just kind of us, natural. But, um, well, Lori, are you ready? We're going to get you in the hot seat. I am. I am ready for this. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, this, is here. <laughs> this is the 10th year anniversary of Lori's first book, A Life of Death, The Redemption. And it just went in re-release with Northern Books. And she has generously donated all proceeds of the sales to Advocates United for Humanity. And we are grateful and very blessed. So Lori, first question. This is the 10th anniversary of the release of A Life of Death, The Redemption. How do you feel 10 years later with the, with the release being re-released? And if you could, would you do anything differently? It's a good question. Um, actually, I'm excited. I'm, I'm still just as excited about it as I was when I first had it published. Like I started out writing a uh, public facing blog that was called uh, Not So Fond Memories Growing Up in an Abusive Household or something like that. And you had seen it, Donna, and another friend of mine who's an author, Tammy Dame, she saw it. And um, the, the two of you were telling me 
really simultaneously within about a week of each other that I should publish it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was just writing this public facing blog because I wanted that I wanted the world to know what happened to my siblings, to know what happened to me. It was more really about my siblings, um, my brothers, and you know what we had been through. Um, it was it was just to get get it out so that I wasn't carrying this load by myself. And you know, there was many reasons I actually started writing that blog. But um, when when it was suggested to be uh, turned into a book, I was like, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, I wasn't an author at the time. Um, and they were like, no, it's it's you know, Donna was like, it's 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 worth publishing. You should publish yes. it. And, and my friend Tammy said the same thing. She's like, you need to publish that. And I'm like, she said you could reach more people. And I'm like, well, that's you know, I guess you know. So so we did, and we published it, and. It really made me feel empowered as a survivor of abuse to tell my story because it's all 100% true. And the reason, like, I, I was very honest in that book, in all my books, because I have to live with myself. Um, I wouldn't be able to live with myself had I told a bunch of lies and mistruths about what happened. Um, it just, you know, for me, truth is everything. Yes. And so I was very comfortable with what I had put out there because it's the truth. And um it felt very empowering to do that you know just to, to not be keeping that silence you know all, all of that pain inside um it was actually the first step in my healing journey was to just just start you know getting it out there so that i wouldn't have to carry it myself anymore and it was on a page in, in a book and, and you know at the time you know I, I didn't know how many people would be reading it or if anybody even would but it was very empowering to hold that book in my hand and actually be able to say, the world's gonna know what happened. And the world is, is it, it's, you know, if they choose to read it, are, are gonna know what happened to my siblings. And that was very important to me. So I, I felt very empowered by it. And I still do today. Um, you know, it, I'm glad that it, I'm, I'm so thankful for you, Donna, and for Lee to take the time to, and. and push it to get that relaunch going for me because um, I really wanted the books to be back under Northern Books. Originally, they had been, because Donna was my first publisher. <laughs> my first, and Lee was my one of my first editors. So, yes. um, you know, the two of you were the ones that put my book out in the first place, right? And so it just really feels good to have it relaunched and re republished again. Um, in, under Northern Books, that makes me very happy because I know, like the funding, I always wanted the funding to go to stop and prevent child abuse. So I never wanted the money for those books, any of the books I've written. So this is what's so important to me. It, it, it's very empowering for me to, to be able to do that. Um, and it makes me feel that something good can come from a bad situation. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, do you think telling your story helped you on your own personal journey to healing? Yeah, most definitely. And even if I hadn't gone public and I had just journaled it and, um, you know, never let anybody see it, I think it was just getting it out, getting it out of that secret silence that we had been pushed down, shoved down for so long, was allowing it to come out onto the paper or on, you know, was on the computer actually <laughs> typing this stuff on, into a blog but it was just not carrying that load by myself anymore you know it did um it was a huge part of my healing journey absolutely well, 
sometimes like if you're like you're having a really rough day or a bad day and I know I've had several and I've called you and when I'm done I always feel better and I feel like if you get it out you always feel so much better you know like once you get the negative energy out or you bring it to light or you share with someone that you know and I I can understand how that can be very empowering especially mm -hmm. the story you told um personally I thought your story was amazing from the first time I seen it on your blog and from the minute I saw it, it was like, this girl has to get published. She can't say no. She has to share this story <laughs> <laughs> because so many people, like people don't realize, but so many people are, are helped by these stories. And if they see someone else being strong and feeling empowered, then they too feel that they can be empowered. And, and I think that's really important that survivors share their story if they're comfortable because a lot of survivors aren't comfortable, but people like you yeah. that are comfortable in your story, I, I just think that that's such a wonderful thing because it helps so many people. It truly mm -hmm. does. Yeah, absolutely. And I had seen other people, you know, other survivors of abuse had written their, their stories and I had read them and, you know, not all of them, but some of them. And it was very empowering, um, you know, to to know that they that they could do it, that they made it. Um, when I first started my healing journey, that was very important for me to to see what other survivors had been through and what they had come through. And I mean, I could empathize with them and I could, you know, I understood how hard it was for them. So seeing them making progress on their healing journey and in their writings, with you know, sharing with, with, with especially the survivor community, um, you know, it was very, very empowering. Yes. And it gave me, you know, the feeling that, hey, I can do this. Yeah. Um, you can make it, you know? Um, yeah. So not everybody would want to go public and I totally get that. <laughs> I did it for many, many reasons. And, uh, like I said, it, it, it was, it was something I had thought about before I did. I, I, I considered the consequences and I realized that, you know, there weren't going to be any real consequences to be coming out publicly with it. Um, it's not like I was going to lose anything by coming out with it. Um, I had no relationship with my with my abusive immediate family anyway. So I wasn't gonna lose anything there. And really I had a lot to gain from it. And um, so the pros outweighed anything that could have been done. But I know for some people they, you know, to keep, it's, it's clearly um, up to each survivor, you know, whether they would, how they wanna handle their healing journey and whether they even wanna start one or not. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's every, it's your life, right? So mm -hmm. if you're a survivor and you're listening to this, you don't have to feel like, you know, you have to go public with your stuff. <laughs> you no, know I mean? no. Many people don't. And they never tell anybody that they were abused. And they, you know, they'll maybe go to a therapist or a counselor or something and handle it that way. And that's totally accept. That's totally okay. You know, it's whatever yeah. you need as a survivor of abuse to get through and to make it, right? Yeah, you really have to be comfortable to speak out. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people's biggest thing is fear. And, an, uh, and a really big thing is judgment. People don't want to be judged because they think that people's looking at them in a certain way or a certain light. And it's always like that little voice in the back of your head saying, you know, like someone's thinking something about you or judging you. And a lot of people have that fear. Mm -hmm. So a lot of survivors that I have personally worked with, you know, that was their biggest thing. It was it was the fear of coming forward because they were afraid what friends or family was going to think or say. And then they also feared um, 
like repercussions, like how they were going to be treated by family members that once the secret was told. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be careful. And, and really, I mean, um, I've talked about this before on my own stuff that I do with one child abuse survivor to another on YouTube and blog talk radio. You know, if you have to really weigh the consequences and yes. because there, there could be consequences to coming forward with your stuff. And, you know, it has to be something that you're willing to, to be okay with. Yes. You know? So it's not, you know, you have to think about these things before you do something like that. For me, I did think about it before it went public, but it didn't take me very long to decide that, um, you know, I, I was, I needed to do that really, mm -hmm. in order for me to be able to, to, uh, to get that load off. Cause that, that was, I was always spinning down into a spiral of depression because of the abuse and which, you know, would then cause me to become suicidal, suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. And I knew what, why I was like that. It's not like I didn't know I was doing that. Um, you know, I knew what the problem was, but I had never reached out and I never got any help. And um, when I started writing my book and, and writing, writing the blog, first of all, and getting help, um, that's, that empowered me to want to live. And, you know, it, it, it definitely was a huge part of it because I realized that the reason I was spiraling downward into the pit of despair was because I was holding it all in. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't sharing with anybody. I really never told very many people about my past, just a few odd people, a few things, but I never really went into any detail. Um, and I was holding this pain and this, this anguish and this, this, you know, all this horrible stuff that needed to come out. Right. But you, like I said, you don't have to do it publicly. You can do, there's other ways. <laughs> uh, work group. I mean, I, I did do some of that in the beginning. So there's all sorts of ways you can, you can get help. Right? So. Um, like Lee and myself, you have a very strong faith and relationship with God. How has your faith helped you evolved over the course of the last decade? And do you think that your faith played a major role in your survivor journey? Absolutely. That's really the reason what, why I'm still here today, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, when I, I was, my dad was one of my abusers and he was a Christian. So I did not want anything to do with Christianity. I was angry at God because of the abuse. I actually described that in my books, talk about it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I was very, I believed in God and I was very angry because I was, I was like, where, where was God? You know? Um, and you know, how could God let this happen to anybody? I, what's not even that I was kind of just thinking of myself, like, oh, you know, how could God let my, let me be abused? I used to see the struggles of, you know, all around the world. I've always sort of thought that way. My mind always goes around the world, not just my local situation. And I thought, why does God allow this? You know. So when I was, especially a teenager, I had a real problem with God, and also, and really, because, also because my dad was one of my abusers. Um, so I didn't want anything to do with God, and I ran from God. I, I believed in him. I just didn't want anything to do with him. Well, when I hit my lowest point at about 41 and a half, um, I was, this was the last time I was contemplating suicide. And I was pretty sure that I was going to do it. And I wrote about it in my book, A Life of Death and Redemption. And I was sitting on the couch, and I was just in such agony and such pain, um, you know, just depression. <clears throat> Uh, PTSD flashbacks, I would say complex PTSD. I had body memories uh, of the abuse and, you know, 
just the tapes playing around over and over and over again of all the abuse that I suffered because I had gone into a depression and I wasn't able to pull myself out. And I was thinking, you know, I can't, how long can I do this? How many more years can I go through this? You know, and because I always ended up at a suicidal point. And I mean, I'm talking in my late teens, my early twenties, my mid twenties, my late twenties, my thirties, all the way through my life. I have had suicidal ideation. So that's why I'm saying it's been a very serious problem. And so, you know, I was sitting there on the couch and I was ready to just say, this is it. I'm going to do it. And I, I heard this voice, this little voice. It wasn't even like, you know, maybe I was hearing voices or something, you know, it wasn't like a, like that. It was this internal kind of a voice, little voice that was saying, live, live. And this other voice was saying, oh, just kill yourself. You, you know, you, you, this is where I would always be with, because of the abuse that I suffered. You know, nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. You know, nobody is going to care if you kill yourself. You know, nobody cared that the brothers, that my brothers killed themselves. They're not going to care if you kill yourself. They don't care. They don't care about you. And so, you know, this is where I would go to these horrible pits of just, just despair. And um, that little voice, that voice was telling me to go ahead and do it where it had always been before. And that other little voice was going, no, live, live. And I thought, you know, that has to be God. That has to be God telling mm -hmm. me to live. Because I knew for sure that God, God is the creator of life, right? He's not, he's not the evil one. He's, he's the creator of life. He's love. He's goodness, right? I knew all this right? growing up in the westernized Christian you know, community and, and, and home, really. even though it really wasn't a Christian home. I knew about some of this stuff, right? Um, and I just realized that was God telling me to live. So I put down the screwdriver and I canceled my plans for killing myself. I said, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. And that's the first time I realized because I was sitting there and I thought, how long, like regular people don't do this. I've obviously got a problem. <clears throat> Not like I didn't know why. I mean, you know, coming from the abuse that I suffered, I knew what had put me there. But the issue is, is I was like, why am I not getting help? Why am I not reaching out? I seriously need help. You know what I mean? So I got uh, busy and for the next month was um, just going to do life. And I'm like, I'm not, not going to do life and I'm going to live. And this was long before I started writing my book or any blog or anything like that. This was a couple years before that, actually. And I... Um, I had an experience that was just so amazing. It was a month after I was, I was, I got to my lowest point that I had ever been. And I made a promise to God that night that, that I didn't really mention that, that I, that I would never attempt suicide and I was going to live. Right. So about a month later, I had an experience where I really felt that, that the Lord, because I'm a Christian, that God was there and his, he was reaching down to me and he was telling me, pass up your burdens to me. That is what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, hallelujah. And I got so happy because I had such, that was such a wonderful spiritual experience. So it was, it's, it's my faith in God. My trust in God is really what's getting me through as well as some really good friends, obviously. You and Lee are a big part of that, Donna. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, you keep me going. And, and I have other friends, too, who are very dear to me to keep me going. And, you know, so it's a lot of things that, that, that in my life that have come together 
that keep me going, keep my faith strong. And, you know, it's really wonderful. I don't mix my faith with one child to be survivor to another. The, the show that I do on YouTube and that I did on Blog Talk Radio with my spirituality, because survivors of abuse many times will, and I was there, they won't even listen to somebody who's talking about God because they're so angry, they're so hurt, they're so wounded. And I, I get it. I know because I was there. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand. I would not have listened to somebody. Uh, it's not like I would have been mad at them and been, you know, calling them names or being rude or hurtful to them if, just because they were talking about God. I would turn the channel and I'd be like, I can't listen to that because I was so angry at God. And um, so I get that, right? So I don't mix my spirituality with one child abuse survivor to another. I keep it very separate for a really good reason because I wanted to reach out to all survivors, um, no matter what their religion is, no matter what their spirituality is, uh, you know, even if they're atheists, you know, I wanted to be able to reach uh, a lot of people, yes. not just not just a Christian-based group, right? And so, you know, I don't mix my spirituality with that. Like, I am a very, very spiritual person, and I, I, I'm daily in the Bible, um, daily in prayer, and um, that's the only reason I'm still here today, because yeah. God got a hold of me at the age of 41 and a half and said, live. <laughs> yeah. Live. I I'll, never, yeah I'll never forget that. Never. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that was quite the experience. It was. It really was. <laughs> I know you have prayed with me and you've prayed for me. And I'm like you. I believe in the power of prayer. And I, I just I always say I have a conversation with God. A lot of people say they pray. I say, you know, I had a conversation with God and he and I have a lot of conversations. Um, and I do think that faith can play a big part in any role, it just has to be given the opportunity. But I do understand why you keep it separated from your shows because there's people out there from all different genders, all different, you know, forms and everyone, everyone needs to hear they're important, they're valued or that there is help available. So I, I completely understand that. Um, Lee has a few questions to ask you. So I'm gonna turn it over to her. <laughs> um, before I ask um, the couple of questions I have for you, Lori, I want to say um, the power of prayer. Prayer is the most powerful thing in the world. And I have it is. been the receiver of miracles, of, of answered prayers. I have witnessed it in others. Um, so it, it is. It's incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And Definitely being angry with God, that's definitely understand, you know, where was he? Why didn't you save me? Why didn't you stop it? Why'd you let it happen? Mm -hmm. um, before, you ask the, before I ask the question I have, um, did you ever have a time when you had difficulty calling him father or God? Just um, for a lot of I know personally, it's like I couldn't call him father. I couldn't, couldn't use the word God, father. Um, so I, I went with uh, my Native American history and, and my, my lineage. I called him the great spirit, which he really is. So that's, yes. 
And I had to have somebody, somebody actually gave me permission to do that. You know, in order to give myself permission, I had to get permission from somebody else. I'm like, oh, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> so did you ever experience anything like that? You know, go through a time like that? No, not really. Even though my dad was one of my abusers, my mom was my main abuser. My dad was also abusive, abusing all of us. But, um, you, you know, I never had a problem with um, uh, calling God father uh, or looking at him as a male figure of, you know, um, yeah. it's just never been an issue for me. But I know that so many survivors do who may have been abused by the, uh, someone in their family who either was their father or, or stepfather or, you know, a father figure type. Right. And so, um, you know, many people will just say higher power, you yeah. know, instead of yeah. saying father, they'll say, you know, they feel more comfortable addressing his creator maker, um, the almighty as uh, the higher power, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I've never really um, had an issue with that. Yeah, okay. Um, I have a question. Do you have any regrets on sharing your story and or any specific like intimate more the more intimate aspects of your story do you have any regrets on sharing any of that no um that's a good question and yeah. i don't have any regrets because um because you you allowed yourself to be pretty vulnerable and we we yeah. do that when we share our stories so it's like yeah yeah um, yeah no no regrets i i, I you know i really the one child abuse survivor to another, the journey. That's the book about the CSA child sexual abuse. So it was definitely hard to write. It was hard to put that on paper. But the thing is, is truth is everything. Yeah. And seriously, if to to uh, smooth over abuse, make it not make it seem like oh, you know, we don't want to offend anybody, so we we can't make it real. We need to like smooth it over so we won't get too graphic. It's like no, what happened to me was graphic, horrific. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the truth, right? So I, I wanted the truth to get out there. Now, you know, in doing that, that does make, you know, make me vulnerable, right? But I'm very confident in my abilities to, you know, because I didn't write anything that was untrue, I don't have to try to go back and remember what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, that's one, that's, that it's, that's the one thing about the whole thing that's actually good for me is I don't have to sit there and try to remember, oh, what did I say about that? Because it's just the truth, right? Truth is really horrific sometimes, right? And that's why I yeah. want it to be so graphic. That book is definitely adult material, One Child to Be Survivor to Another the Journey. It's an explicit book. It's got sexual violence in there. And that's about um, me suffering child rape, which was a violent rape. It wasn't a game. It wasn't set up as a game. I wasn't groomed or anything like that. I was just violently raped. I was tied up, bound, and gagged and raped right, by my brother, who was 13 years older than me. So he was 21, and I was an eight-year-old girl. And I used to be very small, tiny, just like a normal little small girl. And the damage done was unbelievable. And so, you know, caused me to be barren and um, caused me a whole lot of problems. And, you know, psychologically and in every other way, uh, spiritually, sexually, and every other way, so I wanted to be real and honest about it. Um, that book was hard to write. It was, it's hard to read. But the thing, you know, the thing is, is that if we don't, if we don't really, 
if, if we don't truthfully speak about these things yeah. and we just sugarcoat it, it's never going to be, it, it, I think that's a disservice to abuse survivors and also to abuse victims. It is. Because, it yeah, there's a lot of children who are suffering abuse who, who won't make it. They're going to, they, they die. They're killed. You know what I mean? And so I think when we sugarcoat abuse and make it sound, you know, not so harsh, not so damaging, oh, not so hard for the ears to hear, you know, it's kind of like, well, that's a disservice to abuse victims and abuse survivors. So I'm just like, no, let's tell it like it is. And uh, I agree I with that. Yeah. 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 The three of us, we don't sugarcoat. No, we don't, we don't sugarcoat the truth. The truth <laughs> is the truth. And there it is, you know, blunt. Um, yeah, I can't imagine um, not being able to have children, um, yeah. and, you know, especially after being violated so horribly as you were. Um, I've been blessed to have one, and I lost, you know, a couple of others, and um, that was difficult enough. Um, you know, if you had to do it, if you had to do it differently, do anything differently, would you still write? the um the book a life of death the redemption the way you wrote it or would you go back if you had the chance and change any aspect of what you shared in that book no because i you know I, I i uh you know it's been republished a few times you know and i've had to go back and look at it and um you know and make sure that it's it's you know the editing because editing is always an issue you can you can have a thousand people edit a document yeah. there'll still be something wrong with it. Yes. <laughs> you know, so oh, editing is hard. And uh, there'll be something oh, there that's wrong, you know, commerce. But no, I, I wouldn't make any changes because um, I, I've thought about it before and I thought, you know, um, in that book, I actually did not talk about the CSA child sexual abuse. And that's because when I wrote that book, I was not willing to deal with the CSA child sexual abuse. <laughs> and I was very, at the time, very uncomfortable even telling people I had been raped as a child. So I actually just put that I had been molested and that my brother had molested me, but I didn't, I didn't want to talk about that portion of my abuse at that time because I wasn't ready to divulge that stuff. Even to myself, um, I had to do a lot of work to actually get in touch with that stuff and allow myself to feel the feelings in order to heal from that. Right. So, because I had always stuffed it, you know, I, I talk about it as it being, I took that, all of that abuse, the CSA child sexual abuse, really, and all of it. And I put it in a drawer, and I shut the drawer, and I took the key, turned the key, turned the lock, and put the key away. And that was my way of keeping that abuse so that I don't have to look at it, I don't have to think about it, then I can do life, I can, you know, I can hold a job, and I can try to do this life the best I could. So um, by opening up that drawer and allowing myself to see that abuse and to relive it, basically, to, you know, to to feel how I felt as an eight-year-old girl being raped. Um, that was very, very difficult. So I, until I did that work, I wasn't able to really to really write about it. So I don't, I wouldn't change that book. No, I just leave them all the same. Yeah. <laughs> Some people um, will take their experiences and they can put it in a box or put it in a drawer and, and put it way back in the corner. And, and you know, it's like um, someone I love dearly was able to do that. Um, and I can't tell their story because that's their story and that's that's private for them. But um, as someone I absolutely love and miss dearly, I have one, one other question, the one that I had um, 
wanted to ask you that's connected with this. Do you remember the day that um, the day and or the moment when your journey actually began to heal? I mean, I, I personally, I, I remember something. I remember a song on the radio that started things rolling for me and it just opened up the floodgates. Is there any like big moment that you remember that started your journey of healing? I think, to be honest with you, I, well, I had, after I, I decided that I was going to live, not kill myself, <laughs> best decision I've made yet. <laughs> I'm still here. Amen. And, and you know what I keep saying? And I always tell people when they're on my one child to be survivor to another or, or my uh, you know, stuff that I'm live streaming on YouTube. And good, I always they, tell them, yeah. Every day that I wake up, it's <laughs> my users' faces every exactly. single time. Every exactly. single day I wake up because they couldn't kill me and they couldn't get me to kill myself. And so that's why I'm always telling people, you know, do not be destroyed by your past. Don't let those abusers win this fight. No way. So even you don't have to go public with your stuff, but you know you re, if you don't want to suffer on your own, you don't you know don't give up. My you know what I'm saying? Don't give yeah. up because yes. every time I wake up and I get out of bed in the morning and I'm like, ah, I'm you're alive. You're strong. I'm you're a strong, and I can woman and you know <laughs> the slap in my abuser's yeah. face. Absolutely, very out there and tell it like it is. Um, <laughs> Donna. You are very strong, Lori. I look up to you. I admire you. I don't know if I could have shared as much as you did, to be honest. Um, I know I got this rap that, <laughs> you know, I say things and I pop off at the mouth and, and I do. <laughs> but I, I don't think so I could have. <laughs> but it's the truth. But right. I don't think I could have been as strong as you. And I, I really admire that. I admire your courage because it takes a lot to efface your abuser, but it takes a lot more to say it to the world. So, yeah, you know, this is, I think what it, uh, it has um, for me, there was safety in numbers because um, I really never, because I grew up abused by both of my parents and in a very dysfunctional, psychologically just abusive also along with physical abuse environment. So I didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't trust other, you know, I did, as growing up, I did not trust another single soul on the planet. <laughs> so I, I got older and I started to realize like, you know, especially in my 20s, oh no, I do want to have relationships with people. You know, it's kind of craving that. I'm like, no, I, I do want to, I had always some friends that I trusted now. These are my friends like from Levita Juvie book, you know. I had some friends that were had, that had my back and they were there for me. And uh, I'm telling you that I'm so thankful for all my friends, you know, because I didn't have a family I could rely on, you know, I could trust. So I think by going public, all that was me doing, it was a safety mechanism. And I knew that when I was writing the book, well, A Life of Death and Redemption, um, I was at that blog, you know, I started mm -hmm. writing that blog. It was because my abuser dad was staying with me. I actually let my 90-year-old abusive dad come stay with me. I remember that. Yeah, he, yeah see, he told me that, you know, he was, um, he was wanted to come to Canada, wanted to be with all of us up here. My brother wouldn't take him in because my brother was like, hey, I'll kill him. You can't come stay with me because, you know, my dad abused all of us, not just me, all of my six other siblings. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he was my older brother was like, there's no way he's staying with us. Mm-mm. And um, and my sister was like, no, I'm, he's not staying with me. I I had I I took him in for five years after mom passed away. There's no way he's staying with me. He drove me crazy, and you know he did. And I'm like, I know because she would call me and tell me the stuff that he was doing. And I was like, you've got to get him to go get his own place. You you don't yeah. you know. I I even told her at one point, I'm like, just put his stuff on the porch and tell him he's got to go, right? Because she she wouldn't do that, right? And and I'm like. You know, I guess so she's trying to be nice, right? We're not our abusive parents, right? All of my siblings were really, uh, we didn't do what my parents did to us. We were actually really good to our parents, whereas our parents were really horrible to us, right? But we didn't want to be abusers, right? So, you know, it's, uh, he was staying with me and I took him in for a year because he didn't have anywhere to go in Canada and he was old, really old man. And I thought, well, this would be our opportunity to, to, to finally have a relationship which we had never had, right? And um, within a few months, I mean, he had driven me absolutely insane. Uh, he was holding a knife out at me in my kitchen, um, you know, saying that, that me and my sister were trying to, wanted him to be dead and all of this stuff. He was really becoming very toxic and abusive again. And I thought, nothing changes, you know, he's going to have to go. So in the meantime, I was freaking out because I thought, well, he was too old to beat me up, you know, 90 years old. He used to beat me up when I was a little kid, but he couldn't do it anymore. So I realized that. Um, the only thing he could do is maybe slit my throat in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, my inner wounded child, all these children who were abused by him, this inner wounded part of myself, started freaking out. And I thought, I've got to write a blog. I want the world to see what happened. And I want the world to know what happened. And that's really what started all that. So, you know, it was really a safety mechanism. I just didn't trust uh, one-on-one. So I decided to go public. <laughs> and <laughs> that's kind of what started all that you know because i felt that there was safety in numbers and uh, as far as sharing with the public i i just realized that you know there's always going to be people that be people that don't like you there's no you know to like me there's going to be people that don't like my work that's fine it's it's not for them i wrote that for my brother's family and for all abused children right yes, um, yes. at that book is all my books are dedicated to any uh really any man, woman, or, or child who's ever suffered abuse, um, it's that's who it's written for. Yes. Yeah. And so I didn't, you know, I knew there'd be people that wouldn't like my work or, or think that it had value, but I know I've, I've had a lot of really nice comments from people that have read it and, you know, and said, you know, it's just amazing that you're still here and, you know, it's good that you did that. So I've had a lot of really good support. I know I have actually um, sent people to your blog before it was published, um, other survivors, and I encouraged them to read your story. And so many of them come back and they were just like amazed. They repeatedly said, I no longer feel alone. And Mm. I think that's really important that when you go through something horrific as abuse, that you don't feel alone. Like you said, you, yeah. you know, you had friends and there was safety in numbers. And I don't know how many times that I had sent people to your blog and Aww. they were just, they were, <laughs> I can remember the one girl just, she was crying. And I said, and you know, I'm trying to comfort her. And she's like, I can relate with her. That was my life. That's mm-hmm. what I went through. That was the hell I lived in. She said, I thought I was the only one. And there were so many other people that went through what I did. But at that time in my life, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was funny because her, not funny, but funny to the point that her story was so much like yours mm-hmm. that 
you know, just the things that she would say and it would be like, oh no, because I can remember a lot of things that you and I had talked about personally and she was saying the same things and it's like, wow, you know, like people don't realize that so many people are experiencing the same thing, but they're afraid to come forward. And like her, she yeah. would never come forward and tell her story, but you know, she felt so good that she could relate to you. And she actually told me that she wrote to reached out to you at one point, but she didn't tell you who she was or what she was. She just let you know that she was really inspired by your work. So I found that comforting in knowing that, you know, just by someone reading your blog, it really helped them. That's very <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> um, I'm glad. Me, me too. You are a, you're a true voice. You're, I just, like I said, I admire you. I admire your work. I, I just think that it's amazing the things that you do and the things that you do for AU4H. Um, Advocates United for Humanity could not do most of the things that they do without you being a voice like you are. But um, I was wondering if you could share with us some of the other work that you do. I know you do a lot of survivor stuff and I know you just recently started back into that. Could you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Yeah, this is, I started doing, um, uh, late 2009, I started doing a blog talk radio program. Uh, and I called it um, The Whole Issue, and I had a couple of different shows on there, and I was doing uh, mainly child abuse prevention. And then mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I'll, as long as, uh, while I'm doing this, I'll add a little survivor chat in there as well. So I called that one child abuse survivor to another. Because that's what I thought, you know, it's just one survivor to another, right? One child to be a survivor to another. That's, I thought this is perfect, right? Because um, I was really trying to reach out to the adult survivor world, right? And, and the I, survivor chats you started up again, and that's so, that's critical for so many survivors, especially this past year with the COVID and the quarantine and yeah. not being able to get out and meet. Um, and some people aren't yet ready to meet. So that that's a very, very important um bit of work that you're doing to help support yes. other survivors that's really important yeah and it's good for me too like it's good for me as well because you know i'm as a survivor of abuse i i need that support as well you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it also helps me to do that and also it helps me to sort of see where i'm at in my healing journey you know yes. but my feelings that will come up whatever i'm talking about all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, I feel some anger coming on. Maybe I better do some anger work or, you know, it sort of helps keep me on my healing journey. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not that I'm just thinking, Oh, you know, I'm just so great. You know, super survivor here trying to help people. The, um, it, it's, it's sort of symbiotic. Like uh, it helps me to do it. And I, and I love to be able to just, you know, encourage people to keep going and don't give up and, you know, cause that's what I need to hear. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I keep you know, I keep doing in my own thing. It's like, let's keep going. It's going to be hard. There's going to be hard days. There's going to be hard times. Life's not easy for any of us. We know no. that. <laughs> right? <laughs> even, even people who weren't abused have, you know, have hard times, right? So, I mean, uh, life is, can be challenging. And as abuse survivors, we quite often have, have even more of a difficult time because we're coming, um, you know, without the coping skills necessary to get through a lot of stuff. And so that's why I'm always continually working on coping skills as both you and Lee know, um, Donna, that you know, you, you've seen some of the stuff that I've done um, based off of uh, really dysfunctional behaviors that I had always been using to protect myself. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. And you guys are always just so good about it and you're just so welcoming, you know, 
just loving towards me and you're like you know it's okay we understand you know we you know we we, we get it right <laughs> and it's, it's nice to have friends who really care about you and understand how hard it is you know and understand where you're coming from you know it's it's wonderful so i like to just be a, just another voice out here to encourage survivors you know not to give up and keep and just to be a resource like this because that's what we do at advocates united for humanity yeah. right and it's sort of just another extension of that right well we admire the work that you do <laughs> we are blessed to have you but that the friendship is mutual i know like i said if i'm having a really bad day or i'm having something that's not going so great with my life you're always there to support me and comfort me Yesterday, when I talked to you, I kind of thought I was going to have like a little breakdown <laughs> because I had some news that wasn't so good. And you just you saw me through and just having someone to talk to and be there for for you and have that support that, that means the world. So I can understand how important like other people, especially in a survivor group, what it is to have someone just to talk to, you know, just to have someone be able to relate with them or say a few kind words to them because most of the people that we deal with, they suffer from abuse. A lot of it is emotional abuse and they're not used to really hearing any kind words. It's always put downs or, you know, nasty comments or words. And, you know, we know words hurt. You know, I mean, I say to people all the time, be careful what you say to your kids and how you say it, because, you know, it sticks up here and you can, you can hit someone or smack someone and over time they forget. But when you say mean, nasty, hurtful things, it stays right here and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. That's right. And it's, I agree. It's just important to have that support network. And that's what I tell people, you know, on, you know, any of the stuff that I'm doing from, you know, survivor stuff. I'm like, you, you know, if, if you don't want to do this alone, you don't have to, um, you know what I mean? Cause some people do like to be, you know, very much on, alone and they're happy that way. That's fine. But cause I get that. But the thing is, is if you don't want to do it alone, you don't have to. Exactly. You just have to find some trustworthy people. I did. <laughs> and that's what I always tell them. I'm like, I did. And I'll, I reached out and I, all these hands came back to me. Lee Roberts was one of them too, because Lee Roberts is also a survivor of abuse, survivor of child abuse um, and domestic violence. And, and Lee Roberts was like uh, pulling me along too, along with you and other people. And they were like, you can do this. And it really gave me a real feeling of, of uh, empowerment and it was like i can do this and you know uh, finding some good friends makes the world a much better place let me tell you i know i find the support and the support is critical it is so yeah. critical to our survival yeah. and that was that was actually part of um the next question i was going to ask you is um, about there being someone or something that helped you get through the toughest parts of your healing journey. Like for some people, you know, I mean, I really didn't have any good friends to do that, but I was blessed with an amazing service chihuahua. Um, but another time, but um, do you have anything similar to that? You know, said you did have some good friends. Right? Did you? Yeah. Um, you have any other type of support? Um, when you had your when you had the toughest parts of your journey, um, you know, this is it. It's, I did the friends I and did. your faith in God. 
Yeah, yeah. And I had, like, my husband was very, very much a part of that as well. You know, he passed away two and a half years ago. And uh, August 4th, 2018. I miss him dearly. He was my best friend. Um, he was my best supporter, really. I mean, you know, of course, he's my husband, right? Um, <laughs> he loved me unconditionally. He knew all about me. Sweetheart. He so, was. I'm I love so glad that you were blessed with him in your life. Mm. I really am. He was such a blessing. And I tell you, yeah. like, he wasn't abused. You know, he did, He couldn't really help me in that department because he wasn't abused. But he, he knew my story. He knew all. He knew what had happened to me. And he didn't try to fix me. He didn't say, you know, you need to be fixed. He never, he, he just let me be me and he loved me for me. And I just thought that was so awesome. He loved all my little weirdnesses. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, That's he, important. <laughs> it is. And he, and he really got me. He, he actually found my humor. He understood my humor, my sense of humor, which is wonderful. And, um, just, you know, it's, it's great when you find somebody who gets your humor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, he was, he was, he's just a nice guy all the way around. I mean, no, nobody's perfect. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's not, you know, some Mr. Prince charming. The issue is, is like, he was just there for me. That's all there is to it. When I was writing those books, um, he didn't see them until the end of uh, finished results. And then he read them and he was like, I'm so happy for you. You know, anything I was doing with my healing journey, he was very happy about like, uh, started doing the blog talk radio stuff. He was happy about that hooked up with you and um, Lee, we were doing all that stuff with DTR, all the, the old volunteering stuff that we used to do back in the old days. He was happy about that. He was always happy that I was uh, making progress in my healing journey because he knew, um, you know, what I had suffered and how hard it was for me. And because I mean, I had met him when I was 29 years old and I didn't start my healing journey till the age of 42. So, you know, that's uh better part of 12 years of suffering through where I would go into these bouts of depression. He couldn't really help me. He didn't know how to help in that regard. He was also terminally ill. So he's very sick. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, you know, hurt. You know, I didn't want him to hurt in other words for me, because, you know, if I was hurting, then he was hurting. Right. Um, so I would, you know, I would just keep this stuff silent and, and just cry silently in the dark in the middle of the night in the living room. Um, but he knew I was suffering. He really did. So when I started my healing journey, um, and, uh, got on that stuff, he was so happy for me. He was just like, I'm so happy. He said, I could see the difference. And as the years rolled on and I started getting better, I started feeling better. I started to learn to love myself, which was just amazing. Um, you know, get rid of the self-loathing, the suicidal ideation really. Um, and just started to actually enjoy life. He really, he was so happy for me. So that was one big thing. Having uh, friends, really good friends in my life, like, I mean, I'm just going to say it, like you, Donna and Lee, who have been here from for me from the beginning. Um, and you, you've just always been here. And it's wonderful to have wonderful friends. The two of you have been such a huge part of my healing journey. Um, just to know that even if I mess up, you're still here for me. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? So I have, have somebody to, that will stay with you through all right? of that is is really really special. There, those are rare gems. Yes. And you know, good friends. Yes. Yeah. You know, good, those are rare. Actually, really care about you. Right? Loves you yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Stick with that's you right. through the good and bad. I mean, that's what relationships are all about. That's how you. Yeah. You know, it is hard as a survivor, though, to trust again. It is. It is and very hard. Some never trust. Some are never yeah. able to trust. So I'm really, 
I'm thankful and that you had that kind of a relationship in your life with Cease. Yeah, that was a real blessing. It really was. And, um, you know, like he's, you know, he passed away two and a half years ago and he was worried for me because he thought he, he would talk to me before he passed away because we knew he was going, he's terminally ill, he was very sick. And he said, you know, I don't know what you're going to do. He was a little bit concerned because he thought, you know, I don't want you to go, you know, spiral back down and start maybe, you know, self-injuring or suicidal stuff. You know, he's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm just going to keep going, hon. I'm going to keep going. And I'm, and, and, uh, cause I want to honor his memory. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's for me too. It's mainly for me, but also I, I'd like to think that he's looking down from up there he is. <laughs> and, he's, and he's happy that I'm keeping going. You know what I mean? Cause I told him I would. And then he told me, he said, well, I'll be waiting for you. And I'm like, well, I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, true love, man. That's, that's true love, right? Not every, and I'm so thankful that I got to find real love. Right? Yeah. So he was probably, he was a huge, huge part of my healing journey, even though he, you know, couldn't, like you said, he was just there for me, just like you guys. So I think it's just finding people who will support you and even, you know, just accept that, hey, you're not perfect. We all make mistakes and uh, and be there for you, right? Um, that's so important. It really is. I it, think it, so. it is. It, it is very important. Um, yeah, I just, important. Cease was amazing. I love Cease. The biggest thing yeah, is talking on the phone and I would say to him about the Yankees. And of course he wasn't a Yankee fan. And we would always agitate each other, you know, but he, he always <laughs> let me know how much <laughs> he always let me know how much he cared for you and how much he supported you. And, and that really warmed my heart because I knew that he had your back and he loved you as much as we did. And yeah, and that's a blessing. True love is a blessing. And if you it get, really is. if you get love of any kind, whether it's through a relationship or friendship, you better hold on to that tight because that's rare, very yeah. rare. That's right. Absolutely. And I thought, you know, when we first met, I didn't trust him. See, I didn't trust anybody. Like I said, I didn't trust anybody, and I, I didn't trust myself because I, I was always making these horrific, crazy, uh, you know, decisions for myself that would get myself into trouble. And uh, so I didn't trust um, myself, but I trusted I myself more than others. Yeah. Sorry. One last question uh, for me before I turn it over to Donna to wrap things up. And do you see yourself writing a book on sh on sharing your your healing journey or the coping skills that you learned that helped you? Um, whether it be art, you know, I know that you're you know playing around with learning the guitar now, and but uh, you know, it's like, do you? Do you envision writing a book on, on this, the healing aspect and the coping skills that you learned that helped you that may help others who are on the That's same journey idea. or similar? Yeah. I, I have actually, you know, we've talked about that. One coming? Yeah, that would be wonderful. I look forward <laughs> to that. I know a lot yeah. of people will too. I sort of ran the idea around a little bit and I because I yeah. thought, you know, that might be helpful. I know Donna was talking about that with me too. Yeah, and... <laughs> It's down to Donna. <laughs> Just a down few more Donna questions, Donna. Sorry. Yeah. Um, We're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> I'm still breathing, so we're all right. <laughs> I used to be the one over there doing the interviews. <laughs> you're doing great. I feel kind of like out of place tonight because you're usually the one that does the interviews. And no one actually likes it over here. This is great. 
And I'm just hoping that I'm doing okay. You're doing fantastic. Both of you guys are doing a wonderful job. Um, if someone was being abused, um, what would be some advice that you would give them about speaking out? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, for, if you're if you're a minor under the age of 18, you know, you and you're being abused in any way, you need to get help because there's no excuse for abuse. And I'm telling you, do not allow this. Um, tell, yes, as a matter of fact, don't tell one person. Tell as many people as you can. Yes. And make a report, a police report, and also call child help, call 1-800-4-A-CHILD. And also, not only that, get a whole bunch of adult witnesses who can witness a statement and um, get many people involved. Not one, yes. not one yes. who may not be able to really help you. You got to tell a lot of people because if you're a young person being abused, that is not okay, and you no. don't deserve that. No child does. There's no, no, there's no excuse for abuse. There never is. No. Um, and so, yeah, now for young people, anybody who's a minor, you know, is not considered to be an adult, 18 and under, you get yourself some help. And even, you know, it doesn't matter who the abuser is, you know. Somebody outside your home, somebody within your home, do not allow this. You get yourself some help. That means talking to, making a filing or a police report, talking to as many trustworthy adults as you can find, and and getting this huge thing done for you to get you out of that abuse. It is so important. I really wish that I would have done that. And I, like I do talk about all that stuff, why I stayed and why I didn't run away and why I didn't, you know, allow these these these. Um, interventions that were done for me to be um, police, you know, to go to the police and stuff like that. And, it, 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 you know, at the time, it made sense to me. Now, looking back on it, um, I definitely would have probably thought different about it. You know what I mean? I didn't yes. deserve to be abused. Um, no. Well, I didn't deserve, I didn't deserve to be mistreated like that and, and abused no. in any way. I don't care what, what it is, physical, emotional abuse, psychological, sexual abuse, doesn't matter, spiritual abuse. No, there's no excuse for any abuse. So no. if you're a young person, you get yourself to safety. And if you're anybody who's an adult who's over 18, you have to get yourself out of that abusive situation. Do not allow yourself to be abused. You know what I'm saying? It's not okay. Um, so it doesn't matter who the abuser is. I'm telling you what I mean. Somebody in the family, or you know, partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, you know, whatever, lover, you know, anybody in your life who's abusing you, you do not allow yourself to be abused. It's not okay. And people are afraid to make that step. And you know, if you think your life would be threatened because you do make, you know, you you want to reach out and get help, you need to do an exit safety plan. You need to, to help you set up an exit safety plan so that you can actually get out of the abuse yes. and without being killed and murdered because we know that this stuff happens. And so, you know, you make, uh, you know, you make the choice to, to live as an adult in a abuse-free life. I know that I did. I, that's one thing that I was really um, so, so adamant about. I was like, there's no way I'm going to allow anybody to abuse me anymore ever again. And, and I don't care who it is. <laughs> no. I don't care. A uh, friend, yeah, a boyfriend, a husband, uh, a family member, uh, somebody down the street. There, there's no excuse for abuse. See? So you know, 
get yourself to safety. Do not allow yourself to be abused. It's not okay. You no, don't deserve that. Okay. No, Lee didn't. Nobody deserves to be abused. So get yourself some help, right? Absolutely. Yes. And the last question is, <laughs> um, you know, I just recently lost a friend to suicide and we did speak a little bit earlier about suicide. Um, what do you think that people should do on a daily basis to uh, reassure that other people may be in need or need some advice or just to like do a, a checkup to make sure they're okay? Would you suggest a, a daily, a weekly? How would you go about that? You know, it's, I think it's, it sort of depends on the situation because for some people that may trigger them to actually want to commit suicide more than they would have. Um, I think it's sort of situational dependent, you know, on the situation and who the person is. Um, I think it's just letting people know that you are there for them. What was really cool was when I was working, I know you were part of this too, Donna and Lee, that when I was working on the One Child Abuse Survivor to another the journey about the CSA child sexual abuse, which was really hard for me to do, um, and that writing that book and, and actually working through my healing journey in order to get this stuff out, because I, I wanted to actually finish that book and get it done. And um, it was a journal basically that I was writing, but um, I had people ca calling me daily to check in on me if they didn't see me online, for instance, because you know we'd be on Facebook or whatever, or online somewhere on one of our social media stuff. And if people didn't see me um, like that day, they'd be contacting me because they knew that I had suicidal tendencies, right? And so um, it was really great to have that. It didn't bother me that people were doing that. It was actually nice to know that people cared enough about me that they would actually phone to see if I was still alive or not. And yes. so I think that's really wonderful. Um, for me, it wasn't an insult at all. I was really grateful for the support. Um, and they wouldn't call and say, you know, are you planning on killing yourself? What they would do is say, hey, I didn't see you online today. How are yeah. you doing? Yes. They just find out how my day was going. You know, how are you doing? Are you okay? Um, you know, you want, is there anything you want to talk about? Can I just be a shoulder? Can I be an ear? Um, you know, this is the kind of support that I had going through all of this stuff. See, so it was really wonderful. Maybe why I've made so much progress and actually I feel quite good these days. Um, and I don't plan to kill myself. And it doesn't mean that I don't think about suicide because that's part of my makeup because I was abused and I grew up in this suicidal environment, right? Uh, my dad was suicidal. My mom was had suicidal ideation. They were both mentally and psychologically ill. And two of my brothers killed themselves. One of my sister was suicidal and, um, and I was suicidal. So, you know, it's kind of ran in the family. So I do still think about it, but it's not suicidal ideation. I just let the thought go and I'm like, no, because I'm alive. And it's a slap in the user's face. Like every time I think about that, I'm like just kind of every day, I'm like, I win. It's my victory. <laughs> That's, I do a lot of talking about suicide because I want people to realize, you know, if you're sitting there and you can't cope and you just have no clue, you know, how you're going to make it through the next five minutes. Because, you know, things are, it's just, you can't do it. You need to call a crisis line. You really do. Yeah. Because I wanted to volunteer for a crisis line a few years ago, back before my husband had passed away. I really wanted to be part of that. And they were like, you know, you're you know, with a terminally ill husband, it's not going to be a good idea for you to be doing this. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. for you. Um, you need to do that at another time when you're going to be stronger and able to do this stuff. And I was like, that makes sense. But I really wanted to do it because it's people that really care who are sitting on the other end of that suicidal hotline. 
and they really do care. They wouldn't yes. be doing it otherwise because they don't hardly make any money doing that. Some of them, I mean, a lot of them are volunteers, so they're making zero money. They're just doing it because they care. The, uh, there, there are a few that are getting paid to do it, but they only get paid like minimum wage. It's not a whole lot of money to sit there and try to talk somebody out of killing themselves. So what I'm telling you is they're doing it because they really do care. care. And yeah. so do I, and so does Donna, and so does Lee. <laughs> yeah, I know myself, um, well, there's you and myself and Lee, but we have a small group of friends and we kind of do like the little circle thing. We kind of check on each person or, you know, I might check on you and you might check on somebody else. And, you know, we, we kind of do like, yeah. I always say, you know, create your circle, you know, check yeah. on the people within your circle daily just to make sure that they're okay. Or like I said, everybody has a bad day or they're, they go through things and, I know recently, just in the last few months, um, we've all had experiences that like are really downing and um, it, it's easy to fall in depression and a lot of us have anxiety. So I, I do think it's important that we check on people, you know, on a daily basis just to make sure that they're okay and that they're holding in there. And sometimes right. just hearing a few encouraging words changes everything. It does. I think what it is, it's just knowing that somebody actually really cares about you. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's it's nice when people reach out to you. I mean, I even have people, um, you know, on my um, YouTube chat who will just pop a message in and they'll say, oh, just thinking about you. I don't know these people, but it makes me feel really special. I'm like, somebody's thinking about me and they care. You know what I mean? I think it's just paying attention and, and being that ear, being that shoulder. Um, being the one to actually reach out and, and contact them and say, Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you around for a while. You know, I'm just checking to see how you're doing. And I think it's just letting people know, you know, that you do care and, uh, you know, and if there's anything you can do to help, I mean, you're there for them. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's just it. So many people, especially with this COVID-19 thing, that's why we did that show on COVID talking about the issues of COVID-19. So difficult for, for so many people around the world right now who have been so isolated um, you know, feeling very lonely, very, you know, lost. It's it's horrific, right? So that's why, you know, it's really important at this time to reach out because some people may not realize you're struggling or suffering with depression or anxiety or any PTSD or any of this stuff going on in your life. They may not realize it. And then, you know, they, they would have been there for you if you'd have reached out, you know what I mean? So it is important to reach out to, you know, find some trustworthy people who can become that, that buddy system for you, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, like I said, I had that even as a teen because I mean, and growing up, I had friends who were my buddy system. And so even when I was going through all of that abuse, uh, having those people in my life was really great because they were there for me, you know? Um, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's really having friends um, is very, uh, and I mean, we're talking real friends. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Not, not, not mean, hurtful, rude, you know, not real friends. Like, we're talking real friends who really care about you. Those people are, are a very important part of life. And coming from abuse, you know, any type of abuse, it is hard to trust and open up. But you have to then, I mean, like I say on, on my stuff, you know, you have to, um, you have to set boundaries. You have to do the boundary work, do all that stuff. You know, and learn how to do this stuff, right? So that you can yes. have a good life, right? Yes. Whatever it is you yes. want to do with your life, right? 
Uh, Lori, can you tell us where people can find A Life of Death, The Redemption online well, or in bookstores? Yeah, you can find it. It's uh, it's out there now. <laughs> we just re we re just did a relaunch of my books, and they've got some some new covers. Uh, two of them actually have different covers. They're slightly changed a little bit, um, but they're close enough where you can still tell it's the same book. Um, we didn't change the inside at all. It's just updated to show you know with the new publishing information and stuff. But the the writing, the book itself is still the same. And uh, that makes me happy because that's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, you can get it on uh, Amazon. Um, I've got, uh, I'll, actually, I did put some links, but I'll make sure I include some more there uh, on the description. I just put some links to some articles that were out on our uh, A4H radio blog spot, uh, the blog that we're doing and, and other things. So if people want to get a hold of them, they can. All the proceeds are going to Advocates United for Humanity. Um, for all of my books. So any any books that's bought, that people buy my book, all the profits are going to programs that stop and prevent child abuse. So this is what the, has always happened with money for those books. But I'm really glad to say they are going now to Advocates United for Humanity. That makes me really happy. And because that, to me, that's, that's what makes me feel good about this whole thing. Because, you know, I didn't, I mean, I still... Uh, it's not like I used to be where the abuse was just so overwhelming. But the issue is, is I still know I was abused as a child. I just have to look in the mirror and I can see it. You know what I mean? It's like that stuff doesn't go away. You know what I'm saying? So I remember, um, you know, what it was to be abused. And the thing is, is, is by, ha by, by having that money from those books go to, stop, to work to stop prevent child abuse, make something good come out of something bad. And so... That makes me really happy. So that's, <laughs> I, know I, that's know. I don't want the money for those books. I want that to go to help stop and prevent child abuse, which makes me extremely happy. I, I know it does because the whole time throughout the process, she just kept saying that, you know, that you really wanted it to do something special. But I would like to share with you that Lee and I had a talk and we are going to use all the proceeds from your book this year to um, the Community Kids Watch program in memory of nine-year-old Anson. I know that your heart went out as well as ours and it broke over losing Anson. Yeah. It's a subject. I still get emotional. I still cry when I think about it. It was just yeah. too close to home for me. I, I've yeah. traveled. I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. But when it's like in your own backyard, in your own community, um, it just, it's, it's devastating. I mean, I get lost for words and that doesn't happen very often to me. <laughs> But yeah. um, we, <laughs> we would like to, to thank you. And we are very honored for you to be a part of the organization and A4H Radio's Real Talk. Um, this show has been phenomenal. We are getting so much great feedback. And I'm so excited because I kind of feared being on the radio again after all these years because it was a, a little break for me. <laughs> And I'm hoping that, you know, I get back in the swing real quick and um, I come back with the, as they say, controversial me. <laughs> I'm not so sure, though. I think I'm a little bit. That's, no, that's right. We, we have all been very, uh, very open about how we feel about things, whether people want to call that controversial or not. We're just speaking our truth. And um you know, it's I. It's been such a, a wonderful thing. Like I said, I've 
because we we bonded so many years ago doing the volunteering that we were doing to stop and prevent child abuse and to help survivors of abuse. Um, you know, that's it's always been part of our mission and, and, and with Advocacy United for Humanity, that's part of it as well. Yes. So it's not all of it, but it's part of it. And so that's just so wonderful. I think it's wonderful that this will go to help uh, the Community Kids Watch program and for Anson, because I'm, I'm, I'm an ambassador. That's right. Yeah. I'm yeah. a Community Kids yeah. Watch ambassador. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, is it's so important, you know, for children out there, you know, children who are losing their lives tonight. This is why we talk about this stuff, because I could have been killed by that abuse, you know, that I suffered. Um, it could have been me, right? And then you would have seen my little picture on there from my little, you know, seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old with that little smile on my face. And everybody would have been going, you know, oh, how sad, how tragic, you know. Um, Do you ever think that people think that child abuse um, is like a rare instance or... It only happens occasionally. Do you think that people don't take it serious that child abuse is actually an epidemic and there are so many children losing their lives each day? Yeah, I think some of it is that. And I think, uh, you know, because I think people people tend to, to gloss over. They don't pay much attention to the headlines because they're so disturbing. And a lot of people just don't care because they're like, eh, who cares? This is somebody else's kid. No big deal. Um, it doesn't mean anything to them. Um, to, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know how people can be like that, but but I, I know that I'm sure there are people like that. And that's, hey, whatever your thing is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, well, for I me, it's, it's, it, it probably is because I was abused and I watched my siblings yeah. be abused. And I thought, you know, this is not, it's not okay what people are doing to their children. No. Abuse is well, not okay. Well, I know here where I am, I live in a very small community. I know like when there's something in the headlines, like I just read a headline yesterday about a little boy, um, his mother was going to abandon him at a park in Ohio and it ended up, he grabbed a hold of the vehicle and she actually drug him and then she ran over him and she left. She come back 30 to 40 minutes later and he had passed away and she throws him in the trunk and takes him home and the next day her and her boyfriend, you know, they throw him in the river. And a lot of people here was saying, oh, that's so sad. It, it's awful and things like that happen. But things like that happen every day. It's not just like yeah. a one-time thing or a rare thing. It happens every day. And I think yeah. so many people don't know that or they don't see that or maybe they don't believe it or, you know, maybe we always say child abuse is ugly. Maybe nobody really wants to see it. But if you don't if you don't see it and you don't talk about it, then it just continues. And then, yeah, you know, it, it's, right. it's going to continue and the more and more innocent children are going to lose their lives. And I think it's better whether we're considered controversial or not, because we speak the truth. We don't lie. We give you facts. Yeah. And we don't sugarcoat. And I think mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't like that because they want to live in their happy, fun little worlds and they don't want to think of anything bad happening. But life is bad things happen, you know, mm -hmm. That's right. bad people do exist. Children are dying, you know Children what I mean? Dying. And at the hands of people that are supposed to be taking care of them. And the, the, the issue is, is like abuse is, um, it's such a, it is, it's not a fun topic. <laughs> people no. just, and I can't blame people for not wanting to hear about it. I really can't. It's generally like-minded people who are out here working to save children's lives. Um, because, you know, because for some reason we care, you know, 
Um, the general, a lot of people really don't. They don't have time to think about it or care about it. And it doesn't bother them that people are killing their children around the world. Um, it's, it just bothers me because that's a human life. And we all have human rights. And if we don't stand up for those human rights, we're going to lose them. Like, that's the issue. Human rights came by, I mean, only just recently. And, I mean, people have fought and died for these human rights. And, like, children actually have more rights than adults do because they actually have the right to, to, to be protected. And, and they have a right to be, you know, loved and nurtured and cared about. And children, you know, when they're being abused, their rights are being taken away from them, right? It, it, abused in any way, I'm talking. It doesn't matter what kind of abuse it is. It's it, their rights are being taken away. And we like, I just am one of these people that I don't mind standing up and talking about this stuff because this is really important because children are dying and people would say, well, maybe you just do that. Cause you know, you were raped as a child and you were beaten and nobody, you know, that's just your thing, you know? And it's actually, no, cause it's cause I'm a human being on the planet. And I just think it's wrong for people to treat anybody like that, whether they're a child or an adult. Right. So it's, you know, I'm just, I'm against abuse of all types, and I, I'm against a, abuse of any type, against an, a, a, an adult or a child or an animal. So, yes. as you know, Donna and we, I mean, we're always talking about, you know, uh, animal abuse prevention and stuff as well. Look I, at all. <laughs> I was thinking about our mascots, and they're like, they must have had a really hard day because they were all asleep. So mine's, mine's in his little bed. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah. He's so fresh. <laughs> you know, I just I want to pick him up and like hug him because he's so big. Like, <laughs> I want to ask something real quick. And, you know, you said the abuse is ugly, and and it is. It's a horrible, ugly, nasty thing um, to happen to anybody. And back to a comment that that you shared um, in the beginning, the repercussions that may come from us speaking out on such a high platform are nothing compared to what could happen to a child if we don't say anything. Exactly. And we three exactly. will not be silenced. No, we will right. speak. No apologies, speaking the truth. <laughs> and, you know, we'll stand up for the kids because we're adults and we can take it. But the child, I mean, they need somebody to speak for them. They need a voice and we are their voice. We can reach a lot of people on this platform and that's know, right. So that's that's the way it is. We'll keep speaking. <laughs> we're gonna keep talking, and we're gonna make a difference. Yeah, amen. yeah. And 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 really, it's just about um, you know we have a voice and we can use it. That's where I was so many years ago. I have a voice, you know. When I started doing blog talk radio, um, I was just sitting here in the same apartment. <laughs> this was the same. <laughs> different computer but I still have the same desk many years ago and uh, <laughs> and I was just like you know I've got a voice I can speak out and I actually had some flack from some people they were just like why do you do this you know and I'm like because I have a voice and I can use it I can use it to try to help people right and to try to make a difference in this mess so yeah definitely we I'm glad to be able to do this let me tell you um, I wouldn't want to do I wouldn't do anything differently I wish I could do more. You know, we, we all can only do what we can do, yes. uh, what we have, right? Yes. But uh, I think as long as we're all doing something we, and using our voice, it does make a difference. Absolutely. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well, Lori, uh, we want to thank you for allowing us to put you in the hot seat tonight. <laughs> it, was really, it was different tonight because I'm so used to you kind of running the show. <laughs> 
one for me. <laughs> I kept thinking all day, you know, about the questions we were going to ask. And it was like, I think I was kind of really nervous because I thought I've never hosted before. And when I did, it was so long ago. <laughs> and yeah. We just really wanted you to have a great interview, but I, I want to say for Lee and myself that we are blessed to have you at AU4H. We are blessed to have you at AU4H Radio, and we are blessed to have you at Northern Books. Um, I hope that everyone, you know, visits the website and checks out your books um, and eBooks. They're both available. Um, please, we ask people to give your feedback, comments, questions. You know, if anyone is suffering in silence or needs someone to talk to, one of us is always here. We have dedicated volunteers that work around the clock trying to assist people. So, you know, anytime that anyone feels that they just want to talk to someone or want to reach out to them, and they can do that on your website if you want to give us the link, please. Yeah, that's, um, it's uh, HTTPS. Um, it's, uh, it doesn't have a www in front of it. It's just author Lori and Smith .com. Perfect. And um, and I'll actually um, because I I'm, I usually do the updating of the stuff for the descriptions and stuff for the show. So I'll I'll include all that there. It might be Perfect. there. So. Perfect. Yeah, we get a lot of people asking about you know like the links or how they can help or what they can do, and I always say you know it's it's on the website, it's on the website. So hopefully we're going to start including some of that information in the description. Yeah. But like I said, Lee and I, we both want to thank you for letting us put you in in the hot seat. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm cool. I'm starting to cool off. <laughs> And I made it. <laughs> and I just want to let you know it wasn't that too bad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, you I said they were going to be kind to me, so I'm like, that's nice. You know? I, think, I think we were pretty kind. <laughs> you were. You were very kind. Thank you very much. What a wonderful interview. And just always um, wonderful to spend time with you. And it's such a great mission. And I, like, I couldn't have done it without you. Um, like I said, I, I couldn't have yeah. done any stuff that I've done without you. You really were my mentors and my um, the people that stepped up to the plate just to bring me along and say, you can do this. You know what I mean? And um, so really, I, I owe you a debt of gratitude that it's just, you know, it's uh, I'll never be able to pay it back. You know, so what I do is I try to pay it forward. And um, I just thank you. I thank you for all, all you do to help other people, too, not just me, you know, because it's, it's it's not just, you know, that that Donna and Lee helped just me, <laughs> you know, they help a lot of people. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people that, that would, would be able to sit there and say, that's right. They do. Um, you, you just are so, both of you are just so wonderful. I'm really honored and thankful to be able to still keep doing this with you guys. Like this is amazing. So many years later and um, you know, who would have thought, right. Um, this is what I'm saying. So this is, this is such a great honor to be able to be part of this again and to be, to be able to advocate, advocate alongside of you and try to make a difference. And, and so I just want to thank you. And I want to thank all the people who have supported us and along through the years, some going way back to the, when we first started and, you know, for all of your nice comments, we appreciate the support, you know, we just appreciate it. And I appreciate all the volunteers who are working, you know, so hard for a for h and, you know, trying to make a difference for, you know, through their communities and stuff. It's just so wonderful. So, Thanks to everybody, really. I couldn't have done it without you. 
Well, Lee and I feel the same exact way. We are very grateful, very thankful. And you're going to make me cry with all the sweet things that you said. <laughs> but we are very thankful that you joined us. We're very thankful that you let us um, pick your brain. <laughs> and we're very thankful to be a part of the relaunch. Um, I read the book over. I actually read all three of them. And as I'm reading it, it seemed like I found new things that I kind of forgot about, you know, like about your story, about your journey. Mm -hmm. Like, I know your story, like the back of my hand, so to speak. But as I was reading through some of it, I thought, wow, I you know, I forgot about that. And it just, it showed me how strong you were and how much courage you had to come forward. And I'm blessed and proud to be your friend. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And I feel the same way, same way about you and about Sissy Lee. We're all sissies. <laughs> you know, Sissy Lee. I feel the same way about you. You are my sisters and you are my friends. And I, I really thank you so much um, because, you know, I think I quite honestly, I think you're my biggest fans. <laughs> we are. <laughs> and, and I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much. And you really encourage me to keep going and to keep, you know, just plugging along and, uh, you know, I, I, and I appreciate it. You keep me going. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and joining us tonight. We will be back next week, 9 PM Eastern standard time live on YouTube. So join us and <laughs> smash that like button. That's right. Smash it. <laughs> subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Share it. Share it. <laughs> All right, so that's it. That's it for us tonight. That's it. Um, again, thank thanks everyone for joining us, and we hope you tune in next week. And thanks for all the listens on the podcast. We are grateful. Everyone, yes, have a good night. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate it. Have a great night. Take good care. See you next time. <laughs>